You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. What's up, Real Relationship Talk community? It's Dana Shea, and I'm so happy that you are here listening to this podcast or watching the video on YouTube. I am really excited, you guys, to continue in our Shameless Sex series. If you've been listening on the podcast, you know that we have been taking a couple of weeks off. We did a year in review, and then we had a special episode. We were talking about something that happened in our culture that I thought was really important for us to talk about. So we are back and we are going to today dive into a very important topic. It is all about the lowdown, the skinny on the hookup culture. Now, before we even start, I just want to share with those of you who are a part of the hookup culture, those of you who have no shame whatsoever in sleeping with whoever you meet, who have no issues with sleeping with someone that you're not married to, I'm hoping and trusting is going to maybe challenge you in your thought process, maybe give you something to think about if it convicts you even better. So I want to just start off by saying that this is also not intended to induce shame in you, okay? This whole podcast series is called Shameless Sex. So my goal today is not to make you feel ashamed of yourself. It's not to make you feel like you're a low-down, dirty, perverted person because you like to have sex. My goal today is to give you some things to think about that maybe you haven't considered. Maybe you've heard them before, but today is the day that you're going to need to make these things personal for you. Also, I'm going to give you some practical steps for those of you who you're in a relationship right now, or maybe you're not even in a relationship. You're you're just with people. You're having sex with folks, and secretly, you don't like it. You know that you're not fulfilled, or maybe even openly, you don't like it. You want to get out of that lifestyle, but you don't really know how to. So I'm going to give you some practical steps, and I'm going to let you guys know that I was not a virgin when I got married. I was not promiscuous. But I definitely was having sex with my boyfriend. And so a lot of what I'm going to share to you is coming from firsthand experience. I'm not telling you something that I I don't also empathize with you about. I'm not sharing something that I have absolutely no grid for what I'm talking about. So we're also going to talk from a scientific standpoint today. We're going to talk from a spiritual standpoint today. So whether you are a Christian or a non-believer, a non-Christian, a pre-Christian, however you want to label yourself, you're going to be able to glean from our conversation today. So you guys, today we have a really juicy conversation. I love talking about sex in all forms because we pretend like sex is not a big part of who we are, but it really is. Whether you are 17 or 77, you are probably thinking about sex once, twice, three times a week. Some of you are like once, twice, three times an hour. So what I want to talk about today is I'm going to give you five reasons for why premarital sex is not serving you, why it is really not helping you. Even though our culture says it's great, be you, be sexually free, own your sexuality, right? Like that's the 
the culture speaking to us. But what I also want to do is not only give you five reasons that it's not a good idea, but I want to give you five practical tips for those who want to stop having premarital sex. And maybe you've tried before. Maybe you've read a book before. Maybe you have um, gotten an accountability partner before, but for whatever reason, you can't seem to shake the desire. So let's go ahead and get into it. Now, The first thing that you need to know is what I'm going to tell you is also adopted by people who are not of the faith. So don't think that, oh, she's just saying that because she's a Christian. Oh, she's just telling us not to have sex because that's what the Bible says. That is what the Bible says. And for those of you who are Christians, I hope you know that. Like I was talking to a couple not too long ago and we were in a premarital session and I asked them what they thought about premarital sex. Now, this was a Christian couple. okay? and they looked at each other and they looked at me and they go, oh, it's great. It's great. Everything's great. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. okay, all right. Well, um, do you know what the Bible says about premarital sex? And they had no idea. And so I don't necessarily fault the couple per se. Yeah, they should have known. But I also think that we need to be talking about this more in our churches. Like this does not need to be a taboo conversation. If we have people in our churches who are Christians and they have no idea that premarital sex is against the word of God, Houston, we have a problem. All right. So let me just start there and say that you all know, if you've been following me for a while, you know my views on sex. You know my views on sexual ethics. They come out of the Bible. And I am proud of that. I'm not ashamed to say that. But I also understand that not everybody believes like I believe, and that is okay. And so I'm not going to spend this next uh, 30 minutes or so that we have together, I'm not going to spend that time trying to beat you over the head with scriptures. What I am going to share with you is even scientific data that will hopefully help you to understand why the hookup culture is not the best thing, okay? You are not living your best life if you are involved in the hookup culture, all right? So number one, one of the risks for premarital sex is that you actually put yourself at a greater risk of divorce when you finally decide to get married. Now, there are many reasons for that. And again, this is a stat that has been agreed upon by Christians and non-Christians, okay? If you go to the show notes of this podcast, realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 73, I'll have the link so that you can actually see this data for yourself. But the point is, is that when you involve yourself in premarital sex, sex and then you get married, basically, we've heard our grandmother say it, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Now, what that basically means, because some of you are like, I know they're not calling me a cow. That's not the point, okay? The point is, is that if you can get all of the benefits of marriage without being married, why get married? And when you do get married, if you've already gotten all the benefits that there were before, then guess what? Your satisfaction level goes from 100 to about 20, okay? And so there is a greater risk of divorce if you involve yourself in premarital sex. Statistics actually show that people who were virgins or who did not engage in premarital sex before marriage, they actually only have about a 12% divorce rate compared to the rest of us who have a 50% or better divorce rate. So think on that. 
All right, number two, and this is really uh, probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons to avoid premarital sex, and it is because when you have sex before marriage, you actually produce a fake intimacy. You see, sex actually bonds us together. It actually releases chemical hormones. When you have sex with someone, there are three hormones that are released. There's vasopressin, oxytocin, and dopamine. Now, oxytocin, many of you might be familiar with. Oxytocin is actually the same hormone that a mother, a nursing mother, releases when she's nursing her baby. It's a bonding hormone, okay? And then vasopressin mostly is found in males. So this whole idea that men just want sex and they don't they don't bond emotionally isn't true. Men do bond emotionally when they're having sex, all right? And so when you're creating all of this, um, all of these chemical problems, processes, all of these bonding hormones happening, then what happens is it creates a level of intimacy that you think you're closer to your partner than you actually are. The way that you can tell if this is happening to you is if you strip sex from your relationship, what happens? If you become irritable, if you become distant, if you fight more, well then guess what? The only thing, the thread, if you will, that's keeping you together is sex. Now, I'm going to talk to my married couples, too, because sometimes married people think, well, we're good to go. But guess what? Married people, if the only thing that's tying you together is sex, you also have a problem. And so when you have sex outside of marriage or before marriage, then what happens is you think that you are actually emotionally connected, but really all that's happening is your body is just producing lots of chemical hormones that are making you feel like you have a sense of intimacy. The third risk, I think, um, and this is kind of obvious, is that you put yourself at a greater risk of STIs or STDs, right? If you are continuing to have sex with a whole bunch of folks, then every single person that you have sex with, you're also, in a sense, having sex with all the folks that they had sex with. If you're not using protection, and we know that protection, there's no 100% protection out there, okay? Condoms only protect you if used correctly 100% of the time. They still only protect you at about a 93 to 95% rate, okay? If you're using the birth control pill, guess what? You might not get pregnant, or you might, because I know of several people who have gotten pregnant on the pill, but that doesn't do anything, of course, for STDs. And then even if you are using condoms, there are certain STDs like genital herpes who the condom is not going to protect you against. If someone has a lesion on their pelvic area, their pubic hairs, if you will, and then you have sex with that person, well, guess what? The condom didn't reach that part. So you've just exposed yourself. Obviously, oral sex. Most people are not using condoms when they have oral sex. And so when you have unprotected sex, oral sex even, then you are putting yourself at a greater risk of STDs. There are some STDs that are incurable, my friends. And so it's not just as simple as, well, I don't care if I get an STD. I'll just go down to the clinic and get that taken care of. Hopefully. But there are some STDs that are like the gift that keep on giving. You can't get rid of them. They will be with you until you die. And so that's a risk that you take when you're having premarital sex. Now, it's interesting because some people say, well, I'll just ask my partners if they've been tested. Okay, well, A, let's hope that they're being honest. And B, if they got tested, but the test maybe didn't show an STD or maybe they got tested a year ago and they've had sex with three people since then, well, then that test is kind of null and void. So we really need to be thinking about our health, like our physical health, when we're involving ourselves in these relationships. All right, number four, 
Another risk of having premarital sex is that there is an increased level or an increased chance of no commitment. Now, for some of you, you might not care about that. You're like, I'm not, I don't care about marriage. I'm not interested in marriage. I could care less. So for this one, I'll give you a pass. Okay. But for the majority of single people who actually want to get married, did you know that when you have sex outside of marriage, you are decreasing your risk of actually getting that ring, right? Of actually getting that bling. You're, you're decreasing your risk because again, why in the world would someone make a commitment to you when they're getting everything already without being committed to you? And this is a hard conversation that I have to have with a lot of my single girls who don't get why they've been dating Joe Blow for 12 years and he won't marry them. Why in the world does he need to marry you? Like, what is in it for him? At the end of the day, we are all creatures that believe in with right? We all know what with is. What's in it for me? So if I am getting all of the benefits of marriage and I don't have to commit to you, I'm not going to commit to you. All right. And so for women or men, mostly women, let's be real, who feel like I'm just going to sleep with this man and I'm going to show him all I've got. I'm going to throw everything at this man so he can know what kind of wife I'm going to be, what kind of wife of material I'm going to be. It doesn't work out that way most of the time, my friends. It doesn't. He'll use all that you throw at him. He'll have a great time and then he'll move on to the next person. And so if you're serious about wanting to be married, you don't need to be sleeping with folks. You need to protect that. That's like, hey, you know what? We can we can laugh. We can chill. We can go on dates. We can do all these things. But I reserve that part of me for the man or woman who I'm going to marry. The fifth risk is that you actually, and this is when I was talking about the dopamine and the vasopressin and the oxytocin, right? When we bond to another human being, that is a once in a lifetime experience. You hear people talk about like their soulmate or their um, their special person, right? Well, the other risk of premarital sex is that you decrease your chances of bonding with someone else. Think about it like a piece of sticky tape. And I'm looking around my office here to see if I have a little piece of tape. If I had a piece of tape, just imagine here with me, you have a piece of tape, you take the tape off, you tear it off, and you put it on the counter, right? I don't know why you would want to put tape on a counter, but let's just say you do. Let's say you put it on a box. There's a better analogy. You put this piece of tape on a box, right? It's super sticky when you put it on the box, okay? But then what happens when you rip that piece of tape off? Well, I mean, we could go into a whole nother conversation about all the stuff that gets stuck on that piece of tape. Hello. Like all the, all the, we want to talk about soul ties and, you know, craziness that you attract from other people every time that you have sex with them. I didn't even put that up on the list. There's a whole nother conversation right there. But let's think about that piece of sticky tape that was once bonded to that box or that table or whatever it was. Well, when you rip it off, then it loses its stickiness. Now, it might have a little bit more sticky and you might be able to put it on something else. But then when you rip it off, whatever adhesion that it had is now going to be gone. So what happens in our society and this hookup culture that we're living in is people are trying to bond with folks and they're not able to. And you wonder why I'm just not feeling connected with anybody that I'm dating. I just can't vibe with them. I'm just not I'm not creating any kind of real um, intimacy with them. The reason is. You've lost your adhesion. That was supposed to be reserved for the person that you married. But now you're not sticky anymore. 
And again, that's not a judgment. It's just what it is, you all. It's just what it is. This is called a real relationship talk. So we got to keep it real. I got to let you know why. Because some of you are in relationships and you're not able to bond and you're calling me for relationship coaching. And I'm like, how many sexual partners have you had? 14? Okay. Well, you probably lost your sticky on number three. Okay. And so those are just some of the risks. What happens when you get involved in premarital sex, sex outside of marriage? And I understand, y'all, that some of this might sound archaic. It might sound old-fashioned. It might sound like super hyped up, you know. But the truth of the matter is everything that I have told you is true. It is true. And if you are honest with yourself, if you are someone who is out here having sex outside of marriage, you know that this is true. You know that you have not been able to bond in relationships. You know that you are creating false senses of intimacy. And can we also talk about this, you all? When you are starting off in a relationship, there is a natural progression for a healthy relationship. If I'm speaking to a Christian couple, it might go something like this. There's usually a physical attraction because let's be real, we all have eyes and we want to be attracted to the person that we're with. No one just closes our eyes and says, oh, it doesn't matter. Looks don't matter. Most of us want to be attracted to the person that we're with. And so it usually starts off as some sort of physical connection, some sort of physical attraction. Now, if I'm talking to Christian couples here, the next stage would then usually be there's some kind of spiritual connection. Maybe you start to talk about the things of God together or you start going to church together. You start reading your Bible together. There's some sort of spiritual connection. At least this is how it should be. Okay, I'm not saying that all Christian couples do this because, as we know, they don't. But it should be this progression. So there's a physical connection and there's a spiritual connection. Then there should be an emotional connection. I really believe that the emotional connection should happen after the spiritual connection because it keeps it healthy and above board. All right. You don't. And I'm not even talking about sex yet. I'm talking about like you don't want to become um, codependent on somebody. You don't want to become all wrapped up in this person um, emotionally. So if you keep the spiritual up at the forefront of the relationship, that's going to protect you from getting involved emotionally in craziness. OK. And then the last stage then should be the sexual stage. And of course, I believe that that stage should happen after marriage. That is a healthy progression of a relationship. Now, let me tell you what happens in the hookup culture. Usually, the sexual connection happens first. You meet somebody in a club. You could be attracted to them. Maybe not. Maybe you just like the way they dress. Maybe you like the way they smell. Maybe you like like the way they look. Maybe you like the fact that they bought you some drinks. Whatever it is, a lot of times in the hookup culture, the sexual connection happens first. Then what happens is then possibly a physical connection. You look at this person, you're like, oh, yeah, you're cute. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Oh, yeah, I'm interested in you. Physically, I'm attracted to you. And then what happens is hopefully you make it to the emotional connection stage. But let's be honest, most relationships in the hookup culture never make it to that stage. Because again, as I've explained, in the sexual part, they lost their sticky. So they can't emotionally connect. So then what happens? A breakup. And then what happens? The same crazy cycle keeps repeating over and over. But let's just say you're one of the lucky ones and you actually get to the emotional connection. So you're like, yeah, you know, we're sexually connected. We're physically connected. We're emotionally connected. Probably you're not going to move on to being spiritually connected. If you're a Christian, it's almost impossible because the Holy Spirit's going to be eating you alive in steps one, two, and three. Like, what are you doing? This is not my my best for you. Get out. Get out. Run, run, run. Right? So... 
when people tell me that they're in this godly, wonderful relationship and they're they're spiritually connected and I know that they're sexually involved, I'm looking at them like, mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know what kind of God you think is involved in that, but the God of the Bible is not involved in that. And you all, I would just, I would have it on my conscience if I didn't give you the truth. I am not going to tell you that, you know what, God understands, he knows, he understands, it's not a problem. He does understand, and he does love you, and his grace is sufficient for you, but his ways are always right. And the reason that he tells us to abstain from sex is because he knows all these five reasons that I just gave you and so many more. It isn't his best for us. And so, again, there's no shame, but let's talk really quickly. I've talked about this before on other podcast episodes, so I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I just feel the urge right now to say there is a difference between guilt and shame. If you're feeling guilt right now, if you're feeling like, oh God, she's reading my mail, oh my Lord, she's in my house, why is she talking about this? That's guilt, that's good. You want guilt because guilt tells us that there's a problem. Guilt is like the red warning signs that flash in your car when your engine's about to fail. You want that. You want that feeling. You want to feel guilty over something that you're doing that's not right because guilt's purpose is to lead us to repentance. It's so that we can say, thank you, warning light. Now let me get myself together. Let me go repent and change. That's what that word repent means. Change directions. Let me do something different. Once you do that, then guilt has served its purpose. You no longer need to feel guilty. Now you can go and live in freedom. That's guilt. Shame says you are nothing but, and it fills in the blank for you. Shame tears you down. Shame labels you. Shame tells you all the things that you are and all the things that you are not, and not in a good way. And so if you're feeling shame, Because of what you're hearing, please know that is not my heart, nor is that God's heart. But if you are feeling guilt, let guilt serve its purpose. Okay? All right. So now I'm going to give you guys some practical tips here. And I wrote some stuff down because I want to keep myself on track. And I want you all to know that whenever I talk about these issues, I'm not just talking off the top of my head. I'm well-researched. I'm prayed up. And I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to succeed in your relationships. So what are some practical things that you can do if you are in a relationship? Let's say you're in a relationship right now, and you're like, she's right. I have totally sold myself short, and I need to stop having sex with old dude. I need to stop having sex with old girl. I need to get out of this relationship. Maybe you're married, and you're having an affair. I don't know what your situation is. How do you get out of that? Because as we know, it's usually not as simple as just saying, I'm going to stop. Because truth is, if you could just stop, you probably would have stopped yesterday or last month. So what are some practical things that you can do? And I'm going to give you really practical things. None of this stuff is like rocket science, okay? The first thing that I think you need to do is you need to make yourself accountable. A lot of times people want accountability partners. They want other people to hold them accountable, but they've not made themselves accountable. So you need to, first of all, decide. This is where I am going. This is what I am going to do. I am no longer going to engage in premarital sex. I am no longer going to have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. And if that means the end of that relationship, that's what that means. So be it. Fun fact. I don't know if this is a fun fact. It is a fact. If the person that you're with, if your partner says to you, well, if you're not going to have sex with me, then I'm moving on. 
Well, the, I mean, come on. There's your answer right there. You really had no intimacy at all. They're telling you the only reason that I'm in this relationship with you is for sex. And who wants to be in a kind of relationship like that? I don't think you really want to be in a relationship like that. So the first thing you need to do, make yourself accountable to yourself. Now, this is going to require some effort on your part, okay? You are going to need to make some lifestyle decisions and changes. One of those could be something like instead of being alone and just dating one-on-one, that you date in groups. Most of us are not going to have sex in front of a whole bunch of people, okay? Most of us might be some of y'all who might, but most of us are not going to do that. So how do we keep ourselves accountable? Well, go out with other people. Instead of you and him or you and her being alone in your apartment at 12 o'clock at night and thinking that your willpower is somehow going to keep you on the right road, let's be smart. Let's go out with other people. Okay, and that's so common nowadays, you guys, like it's super common for people to go out on double, triple dates. It's not a thing. It's not a big deal. Go out with other people. Do not invite the person. I don't care if y'all been dating for two years and they've been used to sleeping over at your apartment. You let them know I have made a decision to stop having sex. And so you can no longer come into my bedroom. I mean, I'm talking real old school, y'all. Like when I was growing up, boys were not allowed to come into my bedroom. They weren't even allowed upstairs. And it didn't matter if I was dating them or not. My mom was like, no, y'all can sit right here in this living room on the couch and I will be over here on the love seat. (laughs) And so, you know, you might have to like go there with yourself. You might have to do some drastic things in order to keep yourself accountable. All right. The second thing is you got to have some boundaries. And this kind of goes in line with accountability. If you do not set a hard line, then guess what? You're going to cross the line because you've not set the hard line. So you've got to be able to create some boundaries. Your boundaries might look like something like, you know, older people will say like nothing above the neck, nothing below the knees or above the knees, I guess. Right. Yeah. So nothing below the neck, nothing above the knees. You could say something like that. That means that all of this stuff, all of these areas, these genital areas completely off limits. Nope. I don't need a pat on the butt. I don't need a squeeze on the chest. I don't need any of that stuff. Okay. no fondling, no touching, none of that stuff. Literally. Because guess what? When you've already tasted of the pleasures of sex, you are setting yourself up for disaster if you think that you can indulge in a little bit and not go all the way. That's like, I love ice cream. Okay, now I'm dairy-free now, so I get vegan ice cream. And, you know, Ben and Jerry's, they sell the little pint. Ha ha, ha 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 ha. Like, that's laughable, right? They're like, oh, you can have the serving size is a half of a cup. Who eats a half a cup of ice cream? Nobody, because once you start eating it, it's so good. It's so good. And you're like, okay, one more spoonful, one more spoonful. And before you know it, the little pint is gone. That's how sex is. You can't fondle. You can't tongue kiss. You can't do some of the things that you used to do and think we're just going to stop there. You're not going to be able to stop there. And if you do, you're going to put yourself through a whole bunch of turmoil in order to stop there. So don't set yourself up like that. Give yourself some boundaries. Like I was saying before, you might have to say, hey, you can't come into my bedroom anymore. If you come over, then we got to hang out in the living room. And when I say the living room, I don't mean we're laying down under the covers watching movies together. What are some boundaries that you need to set? They're going to look different for every couple. For some couples, it's going to be we can't ever be alone, ever. For other couples, maybe you can handle being alone, but you just need to be a little bit creative about how you are going to enforce your boundaries. 
Okay, the third thing is, so first of all, we talked about making a decision, being accountable to yourself. Second thing is creating some boundaries. The Bible says in Galatians 5.13, I do want to share the scripture for those of you who do actually um, want to follow the Lord. But in Galatians 5.13, it says, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. You see, we are all free to do whatever we want. We're adults here. And maybe you're listening and you're not an adult. Maybe you're underage. Well, guess what? You're not free to do any of this. Okay, but let's say you're an adult and you're like, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. This is my body. I'm grown. I live on my own. Yeah, you're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. But if you're a Christian, we're instructed not to allow your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. You see, your sinful nature is alive and well. (laughs) Don't think just because you became a Christian, it died forever. No, you got to kill that sucker every day. Paul says, I die daily right? The Apostle Paul, we have to die daily to ourselves. And that's just not some kind of good intended thing that we think about. No, it is a willful decision that we have to make every single day to die to our flesh, to die to our desires, to die to the things that we really want to do. This is where the rubber meets the road right here in our sexuality. The third thing that we need to do is get it out in the open, your decision, tell other people, because guess what? What stays hidden stays empowered. And so if you're just secretly deciding, just you and yourself, that you're going to stop having sex and you haven't even told your partner, you haven't told your best friends, you haven't told your church community, well, guess what? You're you're not going to succeed. But if you're willing to get it out in the open and to tell people, hey, this is a decision that I'm making. Yes, I've made mistakes in the past. I messed up. But today is a new day and I am deciding no more sex for me. Get that in the open. Ask your friends to keep you accountable. Ask them to text you at 12 o'clock at night and see what you're doing. Ask them to blow up your phone when they're texting you and you're not answering. Make yourself accountable to other people. You guys, we live in such a culture that's so individualistic. It's like me, myself, and I. Nobody has the right to tell me anything. I can do bad by myself. All of this stuff, none of that stuff is helpful. If you want to succeed in life, you have to have other people helping you. We are truly better together. I know it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. We are so much better together. So utilize your community. All right, number four. (laughs) This made me laugh when I thought about this, but it's true. Don't rush into marriage. I know like, you know, the old saints are gasping right now because that would be their advice to you is get married. The Bible says it's better to get married than to burn with lust. Don't get married if you're struggling with lust. Don't get married if you're struggling. Let me tell you why. Let me explain to you why. It seems like that would be the perfect solution, right? Oh, I can't stop having sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I need to marry them. You don't want to do that because you have not mastered self-control. Self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit that you need in marriage. It doesn't like go away just because you decide to get married. And what happens is there are so many people who have not developed self-control outside of marriage. And so then when they get married, they still don't have self-control. You want to know why people cheat on each other, why people commit adultery? It's because they saw somebody that they liked and they decided, I want that thing. I'm going to go after that thing. Because when they were single, they never mastered self-control. Right now, I'm fasting. um, And my daughter was asking me earlier, she's like, aren't you hungry? I'm like, yes. There is a a time in the day, usually about lunchtime, where my stomach is screaming and fighting me and trying to force me to feed it, right? 
I have self-control. I have mastered my body. It doesn't make it easy, and it doesn't mean I don't think about food, but guess what? I'm not going to eat until the appointed time. That's where you have to become that resolved. You have to develop the muscle of self-control, the gift of self-control. If you're a believer, we believe it's a gift of the Spirit. If you're not, I'm going to tell you the muscle, the, the talent, the skill, whatever you want to call it. You need to develop self-control. And getting married does not absolve your lack of self-control. It only exacerbates it. Believe me. So marriage is not a cure for lustful people who have no self-control. You will be lustful people with no self-control with a ring on your finger and a side chick on the side. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay. Numero five. So we talked about... um, being accountable to yourself, making a decision, having your boundaries, um, getting an accountability partner, not rushing into marriage. Okay, number five, watch what you watch. Y'all, this is so practical to me. It's one of the easiest things that you can do. Watch your media, watch your movies, watch your music, watch what you are putting into yourself, into your soul, into your spirit. You can't be watching Fifty Shades of Grey and think that you're going to be sexually pure. It, it's just not going to happen. We are visual creatures. And what we see with our eyes, we want to create with our bodies. And so you have to think about what is the music that I'm listening to telling me? I talk to my kids about this all the time. I'm like, you guys, the music that we listen to has a message. You can't just be bopping along to the beat and, oh, man, that beat, they dropped that beat. Okay, good. Good beat. All right. What are they teaching you in that song? What is the message that they want you to come away with in that song? And if all the music that you listen to is about bumping and grinding and nakedness and and all of that, then goodness gracious, it's going to be difficult for you to not keep slipping into sexual sin or sexual promiscuity or whatever you want to call it. So watch the music that you're listening to. What are the movies? What are the media, the social media even? You might have to unfollow some accounts. There's so many accounts, y'all, that I just, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I don't care if you got Christian in your bio. Nope, 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 nope. I cannot have that in my feed. And I'm a married woman who has zero desires to be sexually promiscuous out here in these streets, but I still have to maintain what? My self-control over my media. And so do you. And so look at the things that you are subjecting yourself to on a daily basis. What are you allowing? What messages are you allowing to feed into your life? And then finally, and this is just kind of a little bonus, be careful what you say about yourself. We are what we believe we are. So if you believe because people have told you that you are um, freaky you're a freak, that you are um, a slut, if I can say that on the podcast, if you believe that men are just like this and all men do this and there's nothing wrong with it, my dad was like this, my granddad, you have to be careful about what you speak over your life because you will become what you believe. And so you need to change how you speak about yourself. If you were a Christian, I would give you some scriptures to say. I would say things like, I am an overcomer. I would say things like, um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I would tell you to say things like that about yourself, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
I would give you scriptures like Proverbs 24, 16, that says that a righteous man or woman falls seven times but keeps getting back up. That's what you have to start doing is you have to start coming in alignment with who you want to be, not who you've been told that you are. And so you all, I appreciate you for wanting to go on this journey of sexual wholeness. Because if we keep listening to our culture, our culture is broken, our culture is confused, our culture is hurting, and they're grasping at straws to try to make it okay and to try to make it make sense. And it doesn't make sense because it's not God's best for you. This is why I always say don't turn off that God voice, the intuition, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is what we call it in our household. Don't turn that off because you hear the right way to go. When people are like, I've been trying, but I don't know what to do. You know what to do. It's just a matter of the will. Are you going to do it or are you not? And here's the deal, you all. I believe that when we obey God's word, and again, I'm talking to my Christians here. When we obey God's word, God commands a blessing in our lives. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a believer. You could care less about any of the religious stuff. Look at the science then. Follow the links that I'm going to put in realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 73, show notes. Follow those links because you'll be able to see scientifically, even psychologists, doctors, medical professionals will tell you that to have sex outside of marriage is not ideal for a long-lasting, healthy relationship. I know it is so opposite of what the hookup culture is telling us. But I am telling you as somebody who lived on both sides of the fence, this way is better. God's way is better. God's way is always better. God is never going to tell us to do something just to, to hurt us or to make us feel like we're missing out. He created us. So how can the created say to the creator, you made a mistake. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how I'm supposed to operate. We all want to call ourselves children of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Okay, well, that means that God created you. So if he created you, that means that he knows the purpose for your life. He knows how you were created to operate and how you were designed to operate. And so if his word says, hey, here's a user manual, do it like this, and then you do something completely out of that, and then you wonder why your life is a mess, well, your life is a mess because you didn't follow the manual. None of what I'm saying is easy, but everything I'm saying is worth it. You can do this. So let's do this. You got this. Let's get out of the hookup culture. Let's be wise. Let's stop just receiving what our culture is feeding us. We know it's poison. Let's be wise. And let's go out here and create some holistic, healthy relationships. Thank you so much for listening, you all. It's been a pleasure. I hope that you will go back and re-listen to this podcast. And when you struggle and fall off the bus, you fall off the wagon, get back up. Remember that a righteous person, you're going to fall down sometimes, but you get back up. You don't stay down. You make a mistake. You say, okay, I'm back up. I'm back up. What did I learn from that mistake? Oh, I can't have him in my bedroom. Okay. I learned from that mistake. All right. No more bedroom. We got to learn from our mistakes, you guys. Someone lied to us when they say that mistakes are your greatest teacher. No, learning from your mistakes are your greatest teacher. Learning from your mistakes. All right. I'm done. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. 
find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.